Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to episode eight of the Life Beyond Fitness podcast. This week's guest is Jacob Skepis. Jacob is the director of JPS Health and Fitness located in Melbourne, Australia. He is also the director of JPS Education, which is a valuable resource for anyone looking to get into coaching or even take their current knowledge base to the next level. In today's episode, we discuss the journey of starting and growing his own gym and client list alongside his diligent efforts to creating the biggest evidence-based conference in the world. Lastly, we touch on Jacob's innate ability to build on relationships and collaborate with some of the biggest names in fitness. If you love the episode and would like to support the podcast, I would ask for a review on iTunes and for you to screenshot the podcast episode and share it on your story. Be sure to tag me at Austin Current. Enjoy the conversation. Doing well, man. Doing well. What do you? You guys have a a thing in Singapore, right? Like a teaching event, right? Yeah. So we originally had a like two day hypertrophy seminar. So day one, nutrition. Day two, training. Uh, so we've got that on Wednesday and Thursday. Um, but then randomly had some uh, facility contact me on uh, Instagram, and they want us to do uh, some in house stuff with their coaches. Uh, so we'll be doing that also. Uh, on the Wednesday and Thursday during the day, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, just here for a bit of work, man. Nice, man. Yeah, that sounds like that's a big part of what I did last year um, was like go into the facilities and work with the staff and stuff like that. And that was a super cool, super cool experience uh, for me, for sure. Um, for me, it was it was a challenge to a degree because my intellect was there, but I felt somewhat of an imposter um, being much younger than most of the people, um, if not all of the trainers there that just seemed to have like more like years and years of in-person training experience uh, over me. Um, but I said, like, I knew I was there to teach them. I knew I was the authority in that situation. I knew I was the the person that knew the most of what we were going to teach them, we were there to be effective. But it, for me, it was like, I just speaking honestly and transparently there, like that was a tough thing for me going into those gyms of like, well, shit, you know? Um, and I, I got some, you know, a lot, I would say the majority, probably 90% of the people were very receptive to me and were eager to learn from me. But I would say there's definitely those 10% of like, who the fuck is this kid? Like, what are you, what are you doing here? Um, so anyway, that was that, that was that experience. But I wanted, I wanted to ask you like how the weekends of the evidence-based conference went. Um, Cause it looks epic. It was pretty good, man. Um, without making you feel like you missed out. Um, oh, I, I missed out for sure. <laughs> this, this year I think was definitely better than last year. Um, just in terms of the, quality of presentations i think we had presenters who were a lot more informative and the topics they discussed were very much relevant uh and i think of interest to a lot of people um you know for example like last year we had you know like no no offense to them at all but we had like brett who spoke about like blue training um 
and then like Lane with his busting bro science and stuff like that, which I think were, were valuable. Um, but this year, I think, yeah, the, the topics and presenters we had covered some some ground that was, yeah, a lot more nuanced and a little bit more relevant um, to what people do in practice. So I think uh, from that perspective, it was really cool. Um, we also had, it was like an extra 30 people uh, attend this year and last. So last year we had, it was like 100 people. This year we would have had 130 to 140. Um, and it sold out, right? Yeah, yeah. So that was that was really cool. Um, but yeah, it was um, it went really well. Um, the feedback I've received uh, from the presenters and all the attendees so far has been uh, very positive, which is great. So so yeah, that no, was good, man. Yeah, no, I'm definitely. I'm. It's it's my goal to make it next year. Yeah, it just it seems like such a good. Where are you living now? Uh, I'm in Denver, Colorado, um, but. At the end of our lease, I'll, been out, I'll have been out here for a couple of years, two years now, um, once we our lease is up. Uh, and then after our lease is up, we'll move back to Kentucky uh, to be closer to uh, business partner Alex and Sue and uh, just all the business out there. Um, and then that's where all our family is. And so we want to see, uh, we have some, I have some really athletically gifted cousins Um that are like going into one is going into high school and it's about to dominate high school sports. And then I have one going, or I have a cousin going into um, college. who's actually going to play college at a or softball at a college level. So, and they're both extremely like within an hour away of like where we're going to move in Kentucky. So that's a big thing of like, after living in Australia for a year, after living in Colorado for a couple of years, it's kind of like, all right, let's, it's not that we're going to settle down and have a bunch of shitlins running around like you do, but <laughs> um, which is a blessing, I'm sure. But um, but it's it's to go back and kind of like establish a new home base a bit and uh, be closer to family, which will be super cool. But yeah, how are your, yeah, how, so are you go, go ahead, man. I was just going to ask how the business is going. Oh man, it's good. It's um so this this year has been a little different for me because uh, I'm coming out of 2018 where I basically from 2014 up until 20 the beginning of 2018 I was really working on physique development and growing what I helped co-found and and then in 2018 I I left and joined the education company in one education and that was a, a journey um, a huge learning experience and a big profession, a big period of professional growth for me. Um, and I think a big year of learning more, like what I've been learning more and more is, you know, and people tell you this all the time, but it's kind of like, it's more about what learning about what you don't want to do and really, really weeding out what you know you don't want to do. Um, and I think I mainly, cause like in my head, like that move made so much sense. And it was like, this is where I want to be. Like, I'm going to make this move. And I, it's hard to say that I, maybe it was just too early. Um, be it that I'm 20, I'm 25 now. And I think if I was maybe 35, maybe out of, 
it would have been a different situation for me. But that was a huge learning experience. So I'm back. I'm back doing. Um, so I, I've parted ways from in one. So I'm back doing stuff um, and helping run physique development. And so this year is kind of 2019 for me has been an interesting year of kind of like this reestablishment of myself and like how to build upon what we grown with that business, but also just like where it's all at and how I now fit into this newer picture of what that this business is and all of that. But yeah, it, it's really good, exciting and ever changing and adapting and similar to what you guys are doing at JPS, man. Like it seems since really like meeting you in 2017 at kind of like what was the origin, I guess, of kind of that evidence-based conference. Was that the origin of that? Or is that just like something that you did special with 3DMJ? Um, I don't know. I think the evidence-based community definitely sort of formed pre-2017 when we had uh, 3DMJ down. Um, I mean like the conference itself, like that you put on. Yeah. yeah, that was that was pretty much the beginning of JPS doing um, more big picture um, education focused work. Um, that was my, certainly my first insight into how all of those things operate. Um, and then, yeah, from there, I, I created a bit of an animal. <laughs> um, because, oh my god! Did yeah, you? Yeah, the UAB the UABC is big. It's it's a big. Uh, big weekend there's a lot of work that goes into it um and then yeah everything that sort of stemmed from that uh where we focus on education with through our online mentorship our seminars content all that kind of stuff um yeah really started to take shape after 2018 uabc so yeah i get i guess it was the birth of what i'm doing now for sure have you enjoyed the transition from personal trainer because I don't know I let's like preface this so where when did you start JPS um, and then the progression obviously like 2018 being the breakout year for your education so kind of like fill fill the gaps in for people yeah so JPS was founded in 2010 um, when I say founded I created a Facebook page uh, for my personal training business so founded that makes yeah yeah, yeah. That's so how it, works. It, was, it was originally JPS personal training, and the idea was just to use my Facebook page then, um, basically to share the quote-unquote knowledge I had um, with people who wanted to listen. And at that point, my knowledge was very, very minimal, um, mostly incorrect. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to. Just- we all start somewhere. Yeah, I just wanted to help people avoid making the mistakes that I made, essentially. Um, and that was sort of the the tone through all of my content. It was, how can I help people avoid making the same mistakes that I made? And obviously, personal training was my bread and butter back then. Uh, I was coaching out of a health, health club, and I soon realize that, hey, I might have a knack for this thing. My client list went from zero to like 40 clients within the space of six months um, to the point where 
I could no longer facilitate new clients. I was also studying law at that stage, so I had a pretty busy schedule. Um, and and I was actually working as a tennis coach as well um, during that time, which I obviously had to give up because personal training mm-hmm. was something that I enjoyed a lot more. And it was, yeah, uh, picking up rapidly. So I eventually got one of my good friends at the time on board to help with uh, taking some of my clients. Uh, so yeah, Tom was then picking up all the clients that I couldn't take. Uh, he filled up really quickly. And then my brother uh, wanted in on the action, Sam. So he jumped on board and he filled up really quickly. And it got to the point where the three of us were paying, it was like $600 a week rent uh, to the health club. And we were taking all these personal training sessions and it just didn't make sense. And the gym at the time weren't too forthcoming with altering our rental arrangement. Uh, And I figured, hey, why not go get our own space? I said to the boys, hey, are you happy to continue to pay rent? I'll buy all the equipment and we'll set up our own little gym and we'll have free reign and we can just, you know, crank bangers and train with our tops off whenever we want and have a laugh. Um, and they were on board for that. So I rented my first facility, which was, I think it was like maybe less than five Ks away from the health club we were at. And we then grew and grew and grew, got up to, this was a tiny little space and we had eight trainers working there and we were taking around 300 sessions a week. Um, and it was, it was pumping, man. It was pumping. So this was during, uh, 2013 to 2014. 15 and we used to have noise complaints we'd have the uh surrounding businesses coming down all the time they were ringing the council they were too noisy we were disturbing them all that kind of stuff and i agree now with what they were saying but at the time i was like what do you mean like just let the boys be boys and uh yeah so i figured that it's probably time that i i go and get a bigger facility uh one that can uh facilitate our noise and our antics. So uh, I sold my house. I was living with Sam. We, we bought a house together. I sold my share of the house, used that money to purchase the property um, that we're now located at uh, in Apple West, which is a much bigger space. And uh, yeah, we continued to grow. Uh, from there, I ended up uh, opening up a second facility in Port Melbourne uh, in 2017, 2018, uh, 2017. And uh, yeah, that did reasonably well. It was a lot harder than I imagined. I'm kind of the guy who thinks big, acts on all of those ambitions and, and dreams and then figures it out as he goes, uh, which I realized is probably not the smartest thing when you start uh, expanding that uh, rapidly. So uh, yeah, we had a number of setbacks with Port Melbourne, uh, not so much in terms of the like clientele or, you know, the business side of things. Uh, It was more so the back end. We we just had issues with um, obviously managing two facilities. Like I was 25, 26 at the time. I just had my second child, Um, you know. Yeah, I I can't imagine Yeah, my age right now, like (laughs) fucking with that. I was just uh, running around like a headless chook. Um, And then funnily enough, had a really unique opportunity. One of my mentorship students, asked to, to buy the facility or the equipment and the business 
And originally I told him to go shove it because I was like, there's no way I'm selling my facility. Um, but then I, you know, had a chat with Sam, who's my business partner, um, my partner Siobhan and sort of had a good hard think about what I wanted, where I wanted to be and what kind of life I wanted to live because the lifestyle of ha having many facilities just means that you're constantly on the road. You've always got to be in two different places. And if you're in one, your head's in the other and it, it's quite stressful. Um, and I certainly wasn't ready for it. Um, especially with two kids, I think, uh, that was a big factor in the decisions that followed because we agreed to sell the facility, uh, to the, my mentorship students, three point training, they took over and I was just lucky that that was my out. And with that money, um, you know, bought a house for my family. Um, and now, you know, I've freed up so much time that, uh, yeah, I feel like I'm, living bit of a dream in terms of my career. I could never have imagined that uh, JPS and my role uh, in the industry would be where it is today, which is very cool because now I have so much flexibility in my work schedule. Like I'm here in Singapore at Starbucks with some guy. <laughs> He's making a lot of ruckus out the back. Um, but yeah, I'm in Singapore teaching other personal trainers. We're going to the UK. Um, I work when I want, where I want, how I want. I work with clients who are very understanding and the demographics that I want to work with. Um, and more importantly, like I have a lot more free time uh, to spend with my kids and draw the little things that I otherwise wouldn't been, have been able to do if I was still running two facilities. So uh, that brings us to today, ma'am. And uh, yeah, through the last two to three years, we've really focused on the education stuff. Uh, we began with 3DMJ down under in 2017. So having the guys from 3D Muscle Journey come down to Australia, uh, which was very eye-opening for me. Uh, super cool experience just to meet some of my idols. Like basically, it was just a selfish endeavor. I was like, hey, I just want to meet, you know, yeah. I want to meet this the guys. This is what this podcast is, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to meet the guys and uh, just, you know, hang out with them and do some cool things, um, which led into the Ultimate Evidence-Based Conference, which followed in 2018. And that was a huge endeavor. Um, we had, I think it was eight, nine uh, presenters from like around the world um, come to Melbourne. We had like 100 people there and it was an awesome weekend. And then this year with uh, the conference coming back for round two, we had 10 presenters, a uh, huge lineup again. And uh, yeah, those were the catalyst for much of the JPS education, uh, you know, movement, I guess, uh, and the shift in focus for what myself, uh, Lyndon, uh, who's our education manager and the head of education at JPS, and Martin, who's now uh, also our coaches manager and education manager for the coaches. Um, it, it was a very big turning point, those events uh, for us, because put us on the maps i guess in terms of what people knew us for and it allowed us to then create um you know many more diverse forms of services uh that the jps provide which is now our online mentorship our seminars um additional educational courses like our online contest prep course we're doing a powerlifting course um at the end of the year we've got a powerlifting summit that we're hosting uh, the first in Australia with Powerlifting Australia. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was very much 
I guess, an experience, all of these conferences that enabled us to do really cool things, number one. But number two, it instilled a lot of confidence that, hey, you know, there's no one really um, in Australia or in Melbourne at least, um, you know, doing these kind of things to, to that degree. I'd say anyway. Australia as a whole, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it gave us a lot of confidence and I think um, it's very rewarding and very enjoyable. And so, yeah, that's, uh, that's where we're at, man. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you for that. That was an amazing recap. Um, that got, that got me up to speed. Um, and I know it got people listening up to speed. So I think one of the coolest things watching the evidence-based conference take off, like it has over the last couple of years is I think I was listening to a podcast that you were on that was just basically saying like, how many people told you not to do it? Yeah. Lots. <laughs> yeah. And so like dive into that, man. Cause I think that's one of the coolest things, um, is trusting your gut, but also like if you want to do something, something like the, one of the best ways to do or learn something is to just do it. And if you don't like it, if it backfires in your face, like obviously there's a point of doing something stupid and childish, but like if you believe in it, it's going to work. And it's, it's, it's something that you're like, okay, if this fails, who gives a fuck? But like, so like, talk me through that. Like, what was going through your head when all these guys that you respect that were basically like, dude, don't do this. This is going to be really hard. Uh, what, what transpired in your head to like, yeah. well, fuck it. Let's do it. Yeah. So I guess, I guess I've always been uh, a little bit rogue in that sense. Um, That's the Australian in you. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm a little bit of a maverick. Um in, in that sense. So that wasn't the first time I'd been told not to do something, um, which I'll preface back in 2012 when I wanted to open up my facility, the first one, and rent that space. I had a meeting with my dad, who's a very savvy business person. He's a lawyer, has multiple law firms, and his accountant, who's a very, very intelligent, very conservative uh, business operator as well. And I told them about my plans and I, you know, copied and pasted off Google these business plans and changed it to JPS and tried to pretend I knew what I was doing when I was like 20, 21, whatever it was. Uh, and they told me not to do it. They told me not to open JPS and open a facility. Like, you know, it's risky. Uh, you know, you'll set yourself up for a lot of debt. How are you going to pay all this? Um, and then, you know, after that meeting, I walked out uh, with my dad and he said to me, which, which is... Uh, has always been the case with me. He knows that if I have an idea, it's like I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter what people tell me. It's like, you're going to do this, aren't you? And I said, yeah. <laughs> yep. He's like, all right, well, if you do it, be smart, uh, work hard, and you've got my full support. So that was probably the first time that I'd really been forced to make a big decision uh, despite people who I respected and who were in a lot better position uh, to be able to assess you know, whether or not that was a risky um, or a wise decision, um, tell me otherwise. So yeah, that was, that was the first time that I trusted my gut and bit the bullet and took action on my dreams and my goals. So with the UABC, it was a very similar case. Um, I, I'm sure many of the listeners are familiar with Brett Contreras and, uh, Alan Aragon, uh, because when I spoke to them about coming out for the conference, they both immediately called me expressing their concerns. 
uh, which which I was sh- I was like stoked that they called me. Like my phone just started ringing. And it said Alan Aragon. I was like, holy shit! Like this is a. You didn't think ever. it was gonna be a dad moment of like. <laughs> no, no, I had no Jacob, idea. Don't do this. Yeah, I had no idea. But uh, basically, they had seen a lot of people lose a lot of money on these kind of events, and I think more importantly for them was their concern that they'll come all the way out here and there'll be like 10, 15 people there um, and there just wouldn't be enough people attending. So they were pretty concerned that we were going to basically lose money and run a very average conference. Um, But I had other thoughts. I I knew that it could be done. And, uh, yeah, we proved them wrong and they'll both uh, sing my praise at the end of it, which was uh, very cool. So, uh, yeah. That was that, and uh, I guess it seemed like we are very successful uh, to the people observing uh, JPS. They would think that, shit, you know, these guys make a lot of money and doing really well. It's like last year, the UEBC, we just broke even, man. <laughs> you know, it was... Yeah, it was it's very, funny how that works, man. Yeah, but, but that's not why we did it, because in my head, I've always valued other things outside of money. Which is why it was successful. Yeah, which is to my own detriment a, a lot of the times and which is why I uh, got my brother, who's my business partner, uh, you know, to, to work with me with developing JPS because we are polar opposites. I'm super open, very creative. I'm ambitious. I'm a risk taker. You know, I'm not averse to taking risks at all, uh, but he's the opposite. He's conservative. He's very frugal with the finances. Uh, you know, he's highly neurotic, attention to detail. Like we're literally polar opposites. We look the same. He was, he was in law school, right? As well, right? Yes. And he completed his uh, bachelor of law and business. So we complement each other like colors. And whenever I have a good idea, it's basically his job to be my reins um, and make sure that, you know, he keeps the business on track and uh, not running at a loss. So yeah, last year was scary because we were investing 60 or so thousand dollars uh, into the conference and that's that's a big risk but in my head again it wasn't about the money it was i can do this really cool thing it's going to be an experience that i'll never be able to get anywhere else and we'll be able to educate our coaches so we have like 15 coaches at jps and all of them get to come for free and that's like hey you know if we lose fifteen thousand dollars like we've paid for that upskill right um So I'm just very different to many in that sense because I value a lot of other things outside of the finances. And I think that's what has allowed JPS to to progress so much is because I've always played the long game. I've always thought, you know, the money will come. Do the right thing now, uh, invest now, and the finances will take care of themselves in the future. Um, But then this year, obviously, Sam had a much uh, better understanding of how the conferences operate. Um, the finances involved and everything like that. And this year was actually more expensive, uh, but we managed to, to make a profit on it, which was cool. Um, and yeah, we're just a lot more sensible about, you know, the money and stuff like that. Like last year it was like, yeah, you know, we'll take these guys out for lunch. We'll take them out for dinner. And we'll just like throw Dude, money that around. Yeah. But this year we were just a lot more sensible with things. And that's a credit to Sam because he, um, yeah, he's, in many times kept JPS from, you know, burning a huge, or me from burning a huge hole in, <laughs> in the JPS wallet. So yeah, man. Do you think, so my question to you is coming from 
uh, Brett and Alan in that moment, do you think they'd just experienced people putting on these conferences for the money um, or for some other reason other than just the pure passion of doing it? Um, and you meeting these people, like the reason you brought, you know, 3DMJ down, right? It was like, I just want to meet these guys and I want to just, I, I want this more than anyone. So I'm going to set this up. I'm going to come. Whoever comes to awesome. And for those listening, I, I, I was in attendance as well. So that was a super cool experience for me as well. But do you think that was kind of a partly the reason was like their intentions leading into the conference or putting on a conference, um, of that size? Yeah, I think uh, it definitely played a role because a lot of people would look at these kind of events as a money-making opportunity. Uh, but let me assure any of the listeners out there looking to get into that space, it's very hard to make money on conferences unless you have like a super cheap venue, you have uh, you know, some amazing arrangements with the presenters where they obviously live close by pay for their own accommodation, pay for their own flights, whatever, you know, have low uh, presentation fees. Uh, so, yeah, I can imagine that their reservations were primarily because they would have presumed that my intentions going in were to make money. Um, and that's totally understandable because most people engage in business decisions uh, with the end goal of you know, making a profit. Nobody makes a business decision to lose money um, it, but again, it just comes down to what people value and, uh, in business, most people value money. Um, and rightly so, like you don't, uh, you know, run a business. If you're running at a loss, your business will go under. Um, right. But you're going to fail a lot of people. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, I guess they, they didn't know that my intentions and motivations for the conference were just completely different to what most people, like most people want to meet them and do this cool thing, but they still have that objective of making money. Um, whereas I was, you know, happy to run at a loss. Like that wasn't a concern for me because I saw value in so many different things um, outside of the finances. So, yeah, I think I think that was definitely a reason why they were concerned. Yeah, I, I think that's fair, and I think as well as that's extremely common, unfortunately, to see. And I, I think that one of the cool things, like about you guys entering the education space is I've seen firsthand the passion you guys have. And I think something else that's super uncommon after spending a couple years within the education space, you guys are super unselfish um, and just extremely humble and extremely nice to be around. And I can say that from being around you, but also seeing that from just, knowing people that know you that speak highly of you, but also just watching, um, for like, I, I met, I was actually at the Minnow Henselman's, uh, seminar with Martin in 2017 that that's where I met him. We sat next to each other. Um, and that, that was cool. I, I met Martin for the first time there and that was, that was really nice. And then I obviously met you guys in 2017, which was super cool. But I, I just wanted to highlight that of like, I think that speaks volumes of your success and just, the fact that people want to learn from you as well. Um, Cause there's much like, this is no attest to intelligence here, but like there's much brighter people in the world. Right. But it's like, who's really good. You guys are really good at compartmentalizing information 
making it digestible. And then also like that factor of like just people being wanting to be around you, which is extremely valuable. Um, so that, that complimenting you to that. I mean, that's, that's something that's really cool that I've been able to observe from afar. Yeah. I definitely think there's people who are, who are smarter in the industry than what I am. There's, <laughs> there's no questioning that. Um, like I think a lot of my intelligence or knowledge, understanding of all of the different components and domains of fitness is a result of just finding the right people to learn from and being hungry for more and to, you know, want to excel in that space. Um, but yeah, I think a big part of success in the fitness industry is not necessarily a function of what you know or even who you know, uh, but more so how you go about things um, and the way that you interact with people, um, the positions that you take when uh, getting into the education sphere. It's like a lot of people generally adopt the mindset that they are an authority, uh, whereas I think my perspective is more so that I'm just a communicator of information um, and I don't hold uh, you know, a set in stone opinion about anything. I'm just sharing what I know and I'm always open to change uh, my opinion on things when presented with better evidence um, or when, you know, somebody shows me, uh, you know, reasons that I might be incorrect or maybe misguided in, in what I do believe. So I think that definitely has played a big role in why we've been able to uh, rise in this education uh, area. But uh, I totally agree that how you handle yourself uh, and your interpersonal skills in the fitness industry uh, go a really long way. Um, they say that nice guys finish last, and I'm not sure that's necessarily the case in the fitness industry because the nice guys, if they uh, continue to do the right thing more often than not um, and do what is right, not what is easy, uh, it's a slow burn, but, but they'll get to the top. Um, you know, it's, it's just a lot, a lot more difficult and painstakingly slow. Yeah. I think, I think that's, it's very relatable. I think that, so to expand on that, the nice, so like the nice guys finish last, I think the nice guys that don't stick around will absolutely finish last. And I think as I can see, I, I would categorize myself as that, um, as a nice guy. Um, but I think there's a, there's a sense of fortitude you have to have about yourself um, and understanding of shit happens um, and egos get in the way. And you have to realize that other people's intentions aren't the same as yours. And like by like withstanding that, I think that is a recipe for where the nice guy really starts to stick. The nice guy that sticks around for a long time that sticks around for a while. It's like, it's like, uh, to make it, um, an analogy to sports. It's like, let's say that you're playing a team that you know is better than you. They have a bunch of badasses on their team and they, they outscore everyone's from a stats perspective. They're just overall going to win this game. But you as the underdog hang around long enough. You're, you're, you hang around long enough to, no matter what game this is, whether it's footy or, or soccer or whatever it is, like no matter how long or what game you're playing, it's like you stick around long enough 
and you're still in the contingency to win. You're still in the contingency to come out on top. And it's all, in my opinion, in my head, like it makes sense. That's where patience really does come in. Is like aligning yourself with the right people, aligning yourself with the right intentions and coming at it from an angle that makes you proud and, and makes you want to be a part of this for a long time. And they're just sticking around in it because um, there's going to be shit times uh, for sure. And I, I'm sure in my, I'm obviously in our young careers, like there's a lot of time left for shit to be just be like, oh, okay, that didn't go quite as planned. Um, but you like to your second location, for example, like, and then like, that was just something that it's like, oh, okay, maybe that wasn't the right decision. Maybe it would, it would have been the right decision if I didn't have a family and I wanted to just dedicate my life to work. Um, and that's relatable to me of like my last couple of years and transitioning my career was kind of like, maybe in another life, this is exactly what I want. But in the current one I'm living, and the current one I'm, I'm creating, this isn't it. It just doesn't, it, this isn't it. Um, so I think if you're a nice guy that wants to remain nice, don't feel that you need to change. Just really learn how to stick around. I think that's, I don't know if you agree with that. but No, I totally agree with that. So uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with game theory, uh, which was, first discussed by a dude uh, called Charles Waldegrave uh, back in like the 1700s, I think. Uh, yeah, he was a British I'm diplomat. I'm not familiar, yeah. Um, but basically, life isn't uh, a zero-sum game. And I think uh, if you look at you know, every decision, interaction that you have as uh, trying to win uh, that specific uh, you know, game, then sometimes that can impact your ability to play future games, right? So if you cheat, you steal, you do the wrong thing, it's like, yeah, sure, you might win that, that one game. You might get ahead now, uh, but that will detriment everything that follows because people will no longer want to play with you, uh, you know, in subsequent games, just like that basketball analogy you just used. Uh, you know, if you foul people, you trip them, you, you know, engage in rough play and unfair conduct. It's like, okay, sure, you might win, um, but eventually you might get you know, a suspension, your team might get disqualified, uh, and no one will want to play with you. And if that happens, uh, you can't continue to play the game long term, and that will jeopardize your success, unless success to you is just winning one isolated event or game. Uh, so... That's the way that I kind of look at things. If you, you play fair, it's like you might lose many games along the way, uh, but if you play them right, you play them fair, you'll continue to be able to play the game. People want to play with you, and you develop skills and competencies as you go, and uh, the longer you play, the better you get, hopefully, if you're investing in, obviously, learning uh, you know, the game itself and mastering uh, the skills, qualities, and attributes you need to be able to, to win the game, these isolated games and but still do it in a manner that allows you to continually play long-term and have people want to play with you. And if you look at life from that lens, I think it can definitely, uh, like I said, be a slow burn. It can be tough. Uh, I've lost many games in isolation. You know, made many bad decisions uh, that have led me to, to, to lose a, a specific game. Uh, but I think because of the way that I went about it, um, it's allowed me to continually 
you know, stay in the game um, and staying in it the game. It seems like people want money, to play with you. Yeah, it seems like people want to continue to play along with you. I don't want to say play with you, mm-hmm. but play along with you. <laughs> um, I know you're, you're uh, that's that's kind of where your humor lies, I think. But um, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, so I played in that. Um, but I know that about you. But it's it's it seems that people want to play along with you. And I think that's, it's an important thing you, you're bringing up here is being someone that wants to just, that plays well with others and be coach. Like it just goes back to what you teach, you know, I'm sure what you're teaching your, your children and what you were taught as a kid is like, be coachable, play well with others. If you're a dickhead, no one's going to pick you no matter how good you are. And to a certain extent, like, we see that all over sports. We see that all over the industry. Like we see that in every industry, but it's, it's, I think it's, I think as I get older, it's becoming more apparent to me, like within the fitness space of like who plays well with others and who is either putting on a facade or is just in it for something that doesn't align. Um, and so that's just coming more and more obvious, I think definitely to the point of like just be someone who plays well with others and people want to play along with you exactly right and i think if you adopt that mindset and you have a genuine care for not only how you progress in you know the game of life but also those around you as well um then a lot of really cool things happen because people will on board your journey um, and the way I conceptualize life and uh, you know the people that you uh, have in your life is it's, it's like a train right you have start and a finish um, and it's your train and people come on and they get off at various points some people stay on for the entire ride some people will only last you know to a certain uh, you know stop or destination then they get off and they'll go on to something else um, but as long as you treat people who are on your ride, on your journey, um, for whatever duration, no matter their intentions, uh, you treat them well and you, you play fairly and you do all the right things by them um, and you have the end goal of taking them further in life and getting ahead with you, um, you know, they're, they're more inclined to either stay on longer or if they get off, they realize and they may come back on you know, at another point in time. And again, it just goes back to the same, you don't want to burn bridges. Um, you know, so I've always tried to, yeah, embody that in how I go about things and make sure that, uh, yeah, I, I don't create enemies and have people, uh, you know, avoid or resent me for whatever reason. Um, and that can be tough because oftentimes you have to make hard decisions and you do have to look after yourself and, and your train, so to speak, because if you don't, then you can't facilitate traveling or taking anyone else, you know, along with you. So, so it can be tricky at times because we're not all, uh, you know, afforded with, you know, an abundance of opportunity, resources or wealth to be able to just, you know, be freaking Mary McKillop and, you know, be very generous and look after everyone above ourselves uh, because it does get to a point at times where, yeah, looking after other people can be burdensome and it can detriment, you know, you. And I've definitely had experiences uh, in life where, you know, I've had to make tough calls and you know, make choices that were, uh, yeah, favoring me and, and my life 
at, at the cost of others. Um, and that's really tough. They're, they're the kind of choices that eat up at me and keep me awake at night. Um, but sometimes you've got to do it. Life's uh, not all smooth sailing and it, it can be challenging being able to try to pro- like um, provide for other people um, but also ensure that you're still, you know, achieving the things you need to achieve, um, you know, progressing and transitioning, uh, you know, through life the way that you want to. And I feel that uh, it's it's something I'll never truly master, but hopefully with time I just get better and better at making decisions and um, hopefully I'm in a position where I can help more and more people and it doesn't come at a cost to me and those, those you know, directly affected by my decisions such as my family um, you know, Sam, my business partner, and everybody at JPS. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a funny thing, life. But um, I think more attention needs to be paid to learning how to figure out, uh, you know, how you can best position yourself um, to have the most positive impact on anyone that you come in contact with, um, because that's when the, you know the success will come. You know, if you can get ahead yourself uh, without stepping on toes or, you know, climbing on top of people, um, but instead bringing other people up with you, then, uh, yeah, like it's it's a crazy, um, crazy development of um, success that will follow that um, because it just snowballs. It, it's, it's contagious almost because people see it, they want to be a part of it. Um, and I want to join in on the action and, and it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. That's an excellent, that's an excellent breakdown of that. Yeah. It's, and that's kind of like, it's been cool for me to watch. Like, obviously I don't know any of you guys like super personally, but like, I know you guys in terms of we've met. Um, and I, with social now it's easy to kind of like learn more about people. Right. And I get to kind of see you, if you follow, you know, following you on social, you get to kind of see you interact with your children and like see you in different roles in your life. And that this carries, this carries further than just, oh, I'm like a trainer. Or, oh, I can, I can t- teach people about hypertrophy. It's like, you know, it teaches, it shows that there's just this well-rounded approach to, to all things that you're doing, whether you're taking care of your family or interacting with your family or your kids who are super goofy and hilarious to watch. Um, just you interacting, like you managing your team, interacting with your team. Do you, do you think your kids have taught, what do you think your kids have taught you in terms of like, or if they have in terms of like your ability to manage the way you do or run operations the way you do or anything like that? Yeah. Having kids definitely opened my eyes to many, many things. Firstly, I never thought in my life that I would have a placenta on my shoe. Um, that happened. <laughs> that happened. Um, secondly, I never thought that I would be changing nappies um, and dealing with crying babies when I was 24, but but that certainly happened. Um, <clears throat> but no, having kids, it kind of open your opens your eyes to just the vulnerability of people. Um because children are highly vulnerable. They're dependent on you. And I think there's, there's a big kid in all of us. You know, uh, we all have this side that wants to be nurtured, to be looked after, 
um, to feel like we're somebody else's, you know, concern or primary concern. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think that that dies. I think that's this innate, um, you know, characteristic of, of humans that we just slowly sort of shut down and try to squash over time as we manifest into this, you know, adults, independent being, but we're, but we're not. And I think, um, the way that having kids has sort of influenced how I operate at JPS is that I just recognize that vulnerability and, and dependence a little bit more. And I respect it a hell of a lot more um, because yeah, my team aren't just employees. Uh, you know, like I do see them as family, like they need me. I need them. You know, we are like very much a, a family and uh, we all have this intrinsic desire to to feel cared about to feel valued um to be taught and to be someone's uh, you know concern and i think that sort of transcended across uh the way that i you know manage myself and uh the interactions i have with uh, the people at jps um because yeah they are all like family to me um you know and their problems are my problems and, you know, they take my problems on as theirs as well, um, even though I try not to, to project Burn that them. stuff onto, yeah. them, onto them uh, too often. But, yeah, kids are, kids are funny. They, they really they shift the way that you look at the world in ways you couldn't imagine, um, some, some better than others um, because, again, you know, the, there's always a, a cost with uh, altering your perception and perspective on uh, you know how the world works, but yeah, I guess just knowing that people are dependent on other people, um, you know, no matter how uh, mature, grown up, intelligent somebody is, it's like we always depend on others um, to varying degrees uh, for different things, uh, for sure. Like it's not always, you know, hey, I need someone to feed me and whatnot. But yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I think, it shows I think up in different places. It certainly does. Um, so I think, yeah, that's probably one way that uh, the kids have sort of influenced, uh, yeah, me in the the coaching, education, like manager world. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I I didn't. I think I've I've thought of it that way once before. That's that thought pattern somewhat familiar in my head. But I think you just reminded me of it for sure. It's just no matter how independent you feel um, or how whatever you feel, in, enter, the, enter the word you, you'd like, you always need that. You always kind of have that dependency on, on someone else. And I think it is that that's kind of like that is the vulnerability. It's like as much as you think you want, you can go go at this at your own or on your own. It's just you're full of it. Like you can't. And if you if you're trying, you're compromising a whole hell of a lot of yourself and your ability to make that compromise. Like that's within, you know, at what cost? Like, how stubborn are you willing to be to not admit to this that you need this as much as I need this? And at what cost are you willing to to make that happen or, or allow it to happen? So I think, yeah, I think ego a lot of times gets in our way of that. It's kind of like, Oh, I don't need anyone else. Like, Oh, I got this. I can do this on my own. And yeah, that's a great reminder of just how much you need other people and you need the right people. And I think that's something that's 
I've noticed with all the people um, that I've had on the pod, obviously I hand select you guys and I'm very eager to talk to every individual that I have on here. Um, Cause it is, this is a passion project for me. This is kind of my conference, if you will. Like this is my, like, I just want to talk to you. Um, would you like to join me uh, in this conversation? We'll see where it goes. But I think that's, that's been something that has been cool to see it is just everyone's perspective. Um, and yeah, I, it's just been really cool to talk to the, every different individuals, like between, between you, you have, um, you know, I have talked to between you, like Ryan Doris, Alberto, um, and plenty of my other guy, like Chris Lovato, um, Danny Kennedy, who I had on, like, he was a great dude. Um, are you, are you from, do you, do you know Danny? I do, do know Danny. <laughs> Excuse me, Melbourne boy. I've um, been on his podcast, I think, three or four times now. Yeah, he's an awesome guy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Danny and I are good friends. And it's just, it's been really cool, man. It, it's been super cool to see and, and listen and hear everyone's different perspective and kind of like this culmination of views that kind of just start to align of being just good people and in it for the right reasons. I, I had a, my couple last question. How much time do you have left? Man, however long you need. Awesome. So I wanted to, I like to ask this question. I, there, I have a couple questions I always ask, but I like to ask this one um, because I, I think from the standpoint of like, there's a lot being thrown at certain topics of the industry, like stones being thrown, if you will. Um, but I don't want to highlight those as much as I just want to highlight what is a positive trend you're seeing in the industry? Something that makes you happy, makes you proud to be a part of what we're doing. And is there something that comes to mind that you just like, I'm super proud of this? I wouldn't say that something that I've done uh, per se, but I definitely... No, just in general. Yeah, as yeah, a whole. I think definitely the trend towards valuing information, good quality information, and for consumers of information uh, wanting better quality uh, information um, and being able to discern and dissect what is good and what is bad information uh, has improved a lot. So I think there's a lot of really positive movements in terms of education. Uh, obviously, I'm biased because that's the, the sphere that I'm directly involved in, but People are valuing information. They're valuing their education a lot more and they're sharpening their bullshit detector uh, as a result of being exposed to more information. I think technology, social media is playing a large role in this. Uh, and yeah, it's like the science-based movement is definitely taking off and it's having a ripple effect across the fitness industry from the researchers down to uh, you know, those who are bridging the gap, such as yourself uh, and, you know, what we do at JPS, then to other personal trainers who are just getting into the industry, the clients, the athletes, people are just becoming more savvy with uh, what information they listen to and believe and where they get that information from. So, yeah, that's that's been a huge uh, positive, uh, in my opinion, uh, over the last yeah, few years. Yeah, I would agree to that, man. I, th I think... Before, over the last, you know, few years transpired, like back in, I'm trying to think back, even back in, like when I was going through finishing up my, uh, 
my degree that would have been leading up until 2016 and it i would say around 2013 2014 i think stuff started to really at least what i noticed started to really kind of pick up um and then 2017 2018 and then this like it's just getting more and more informative it seems like and more and more your ability as the consumer just has in, increased tenfold I, I think in my opinion like and i think the guys that are at the top of whether it's the research community or just the education community are starting to see that value and they're starting to like they're starting to show up um more and more on social uh so that's just a super cool thing to see and i think it's 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 forced us as translators and communicators of this information. Um, that's what I label more or less would label myself as just the the translator of a, a lot communicating things and bridging that gap, right? And being able to maybe take something that's someone more intelligent than the both of us says, and it's just like, well, let me talk to the people. Um, let me put this in their language and language that I know they're speaking because we get to spend more time with the people quote unquote. Right. And just allowing that it's also made us have more of a filter and like, okay, this isn't good enough to put out yet. Like this is good in terms of like good information, but the, the level of quality it needs to be like, it's just increasing and increasing. And I think that's a really good thing and it's a really cool thing. And I think it's as a whole, keeping a lot more people safe um, and not wasting a lot of time. And a people's bullshit detector is sharpened. Like their blades are sharpened and they're ready. Um, I think some to a fault at which they're not willing to expand their thinking and stay open-minded. So I, I, I think there is like anything that you can live too far to one extreme and I think if you, within any continuum, if you're, if you're not living in the gray, you're missing something. Um, at least that's how I live my life. So I, I just try to live my life in the gray of not being too far one side or the other, just kind of like as neutral as I can be and open to new information um, and being challenged to think more about something of like, okay, and this is something that like, I really respect, you know, like Eric Helms, for example, is his ability to critically think and being at the forefront of that evidence-based, science-based community. Um, it's really cool to see him kind of like really critically think through something. And even though we have evidence to support something, it's, he's still, there's still that foresight of maybe there's not enough here yet. Like, yes, it showed positive. Yes. But in practice, through thinking logically, through thinking critically, like maybe it's, it's, you can still say this other thing is, is there. So I, I think that's really cool. And I think I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I, it's a really cool positive trend that's happening um, that I would agree with heavily. Um, so the last question here, the last question I love to ask people, um, what is one thing you're working on personally? So you as an individual business person, family man, like, educator, coach, trainer, like anything out of any area, one thing that 
is just, for, so for me, for example, it would be the consistency of patience. I, I think I get really, I tend to get ahead of myself um, and get really excited about new things. And I actually talked about some of my story today and kind of having, sh- without meaning to, and even knowing better, I have like the shiny object syndrome of being really excited about something and then another thing that I'm excited about comes to my mind and I just get consumed by it and something else takes the place of what I, then that new thing takes the place of what I was working on. And it's just like this perpetual loop of like projects being 90% finished. And it's like, so there's nothing to really show for it other than like, I have all these files on my computer of projects I've worked on that are like 90% done. Um, and so for me personally, that's one thing I'm working on personally. And it's the, the, the meaning behind this question is to kind of break down, like, cause you're someone that a lot of people look up to, um, including myself. I, I think you're incredibly inspiring in, in what you've done with JPS. And it's kind of break down those walls of, well, Jacob's got his shit together. He's not working on anything. He's just working on building, building the business. Uh, and you know, we all know that's not inherently true, right? We all have something to work on. We don't all have our, our, uh, we all have shit essentially. So yes, I've got shit. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. I think that's really cool that you have the self-awareness to realize that you have ideas, you work on them, but you don't quite finish and button up, um, projects and, uh, complete the ideas i think that that's the hardest part there's so many articles that i have for example that are written almost complete but then it's just i never you know i never got to finish them and i think that's something that uh most of the time i do pretty well is i i do finish uh what i start but that's always uh something that i continually work on i think a lot of people uh share that struggle but one thing that i'm working on at the moment is not putting my work ahead of everything else. Um, I've had a number of realizations over the last probably six months that I've been too hyper-focused um, on putting work ahead of you know family, friends, and everything in between. And I always justify it to myself because my you know rationale is that well, this is what supports my family. This is what looks after you know, the people around me and I, I need to do it and I should do it because, uh, you know, for that reason alone, it's okay. Um, but I've had a few epiphanies where it's dawned on me that work won't fulfill me in the way that, you know, meaningful relationships with my family uh, will, uh, the experiences um, that I'm missing out on uh, by prioritizing work, uh, you know, some which I'll come to regret. Uh, so I'm really working on making sure I put family first and everything else second, um, which is really hard for me because work is all I've known since I got out of high school. You know, it's it's what made me who I am. It's very much a large component of my identity, I dare say. Um, so, so it's hard to change my identity or at least my perspective on who I am and what I want. Um when I've just been so 
yeah, bogged down on this is what I do, this is who I am, and this is what I've got to continue to do if I want to you know, sustain everything that I'm doing and build a future for those around me. Um, but in doing that, you miss out on the present moment. Um, and there's an opportunity cost to everything. And I think uh, as my kids are growing up, I'm realizing more and more that, uh, yeah, it's not going to be worth it if I miss out on all the memories and experiences and the little things along the way. So um, I feel like I've done done my time, so to speak, um, in putting work ahead of everything else. And I'm lucky, very lucky to be in a position now where I can sort of step back a little bit more and spend time with family and not putting work above all else. Like there's many people who can't do that, um, unfortunately. Um, so I, I'm grateful for the fact that I can. I can. Uh, but yeah, my, my biggest hang up um, would be that I love what I do. <laughs> I love it a lot. Yeah. And that makes uh, it tough. It does make it tough because I'm always torn between oh, I've got to do this work, I want to do this work, and this is uh, you know, something that uh, needs to be done, um, or at least I rationalize in my head that it needs to be done uh, right here and right now. Um, but, yeah, experiences, memories, and spending time with loved ones is something that I've been really shit with um, you know, for the last like 10 years. Um, getting better at it. It's a work in progress. Um, I'm definitely more present and more uh, connected to, to family, friends, and, um, you know, the, the people who matter to me now than I, than I have been in the past. Um, but it's something that I think will foster my work. You know, if, if I get family uh, right, if I tick all the boxes there and I'm, you know, happy and things are going well on the home front, you know, work will continue to flourish. It doesn't work in reverse. If work flourishing and things at home uh, in the toilet, uh, yeah, you got problems and life will be tough. Uh, so, so I think a big part of what my focus uh, will be over the next, you know, couple of years, and I dare say for the rest of my life, um, will be trying to, you know, I hate the word balance, but trying to, yeah, manage all of the things um, necessary to to be happy um, and to enjoy what I do, um, but at the same time to ensure that I'm not um, overemphasizing or putting my work on a pedestal um, when it shouldn't be. It's a hell of an answer, man. That's, it's powerful stuff. And it's, it's so important. I think it's gonna be really relatable for every, like not everyone listening, but I think a lot of people listening. Um, just the sheer fact of like, that's something that's so much easier said than done. Oh, totally. Sounds so simple when I say it, but it, it's really not. It's not that uh, that easy, unfortunately. Yeah, and I, I think it's just it's one of those things that no one else can do for you either. You know, it's it's similar to to put into our context, right? It's kind of like going through like a contest prep. Like, no matter you can't pay someone to do it. You can't do any. Like, you're the only one, and. It's your choices, it's your actions, it's and it's your actions and choices consistently over time. And then what do you have to show for it? And so I think that's incredibly relatable to that. It's it's powerful. And I, I think too many of us, um, I'm very guilty at this at times, um, as well as just bury yourself. Um, because if I bury myself in this, 
that means I don't have to deal with other things. And some of the times those other things in hindsight don't have to be negative. Like the other thing is like family, for example. And it's like, that doesn't mean I don't love my family or don't want to be around them, but it's like, there's something there that I'm burying and it's, I'm doing it with my work and I've definitely been there. Um, and so I, I appreciate that answer, man. And I, I want to give you the opportunity to, uh, to plug yourself, plug your, your plug, everything, man, JPS, what you guys are doing from an education perspective. Um, if, if there's anyone listening in Australia that needs, especially Melbourne, like that needs services, man, like plug away. Uh, yeah. So, uh, JPS is where you can find me. Uh, we have a couple of Instagram accounts. JPS education is as the name suggests, our education page. And then JPS health and fitness is more so, uh, focused on showcasing and sharing our clients, their, their progress, their results, all those sorts of things. And the happenings uh, inside JPS external to the education stuff. Uh, and then we have a podcast on YouTube. I won't, uh, it's kind of like a podcast. I do it intermittently and when I feel these days, um, but it's a bit of fun. And uh, There's still value there. Yeah, there's still a bit of value there. I mainly just get people on who I like to talk to now and have, have a laugh. That's all this is. What do we just do for the last hour and 15 minutes? That's right, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, things are all on the social medias. Um, so yeah, you can find us there. If you want some coaching, um, you can hire one of the JPS crew. Uh, we work with people online and face-to-face if you're in Melbourne. Uh, but apart from that, we've got our seminars, uh, mainly in Australia. If people want to come along, that'd be cool. If not, they can uh, do our online courses, um, which they can find through JPS Education. Amazing, man. Thank you for uh, taking the time in Singapore to make this happen. Not a problem, man. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. All right, guys, this has been the Life Beyond Fitness Podcast.